Welcome everybody. This is Dr. Trash Dad. We just have a little bit of housekeeping here. For the last two seasons, we've been having a pretty long intro for music, so I'm going to cut that down. It's way too long, and I'm in the process of writing some new music, so bear with me while we get that online. Without further ado, here's our show. If you're listening to this, that means that you just found that USB stick on the ground and you actually stuck it in your computer. You know, you're not supposed to do that. But I'm glad you did, because now you get to listen to our fantasy football podcast. So welcome to the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. We are back. This is weird. We're like on schedule. We're I, 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 I think we're actually a little ahead of schedule because it's actually Sunday. We should be watching like the beginning of the second round of games should be starting right now. I mean, it, it, we're, we're just such professional podcasters. We're ahead of the schedule. We're, we're doing fantastic. Um, I don't even know who's playing today. Wait, are you telling me it's preseason right now? <laughs> it, it it feels like it should be regular season. I even got uh, Sleeper to answer my tweet within minutes today. So, I mean, we are definitely professionals at this point. I don't think me and Sleeper and I are on speaking terms. They actually unfollowed me on Twitter after some mild criticism on my part. Um, they, they really did unfollow me on Twitter after some mild criticism. <laughs> um, so I don't think we're, we're on speaking terms right now, but that's okay. We'll recover. We'll, we'll bounce back. We'll bounce back stronger for sure. Our relationship is strong. Sleeper and I uh, have no fear. Um, but no, I mean, I, I thought I thought the last episode was really fun. Uh, we sort of teased a lot about best ball, and I thought it would be a great idea for us to talk about that today. You know, I, I joked I'm in full best ball season. We have a new puppy out. You know, I'm drafting like a madman basically all day, every day, multi-tabling sometimes. You know, I'm having the time of my life. This this is peak best ball season to me. I'm having a fantastic time. How are you doing? I am... Well, I, first of all, I thought it was funny how I I asked, like, if there wasn't a second puppy. And I think it was, like, a day or two after we recorded that, like, the second puppy came out. Um, I am not engaged in best ball just yet. I think right now, so I moved states from Tennessee to North Carolina. And I cannot use my sports book money in North Carolina anymore. So I've been funneling that into best ball drafts and so i'm actually have been waiting to record this because or waiting to do that till we record because i absolutely defer to you for everything related to best ball and the macroeconomics and the the strategy and everything like that so i've i've been excited to talk about this too but if you wouldn't mind indulging me uh we we were talking about well, you brought up a trade, right? And so I like I like this because it help, allows us to finish off the conversation about the pass catching situation in Baltimore. Like why I have the fixation with Baltimore and the and the pass catching thing is kind of ridiculous. Um, I'll even admit it. Like I think it's ridiculous. 
Um, but this this will be two weeks in a row. We've talked about the Baltimore uh, pass catching duo in Mark Andrews, and this week we're going to talk about Rashad Bateman. We're also going to talk about some best ball. Do you want to talk about best ball or Rashad Bateman first? Which one do you want to talk about? First? I think the conversation is going to be pretty short about Rashad Bateman and the trade that's involved. So let's start with that. Yeah, uh, let, let's give a little background here because I don't think we've talked about this before. We technically have a, a co-owned team. Uh, I was sort of dragged along. Uh, I'm just here for the ride mostly, but I, I, I give some input on this team. Uh, I can hear, uh, uh, jumped into a uh, startup draft a while back. And I think we have a, I think we have a pretty solid team. You know, we went back and forth discussing sort of our thoughts on, um, you know, various picks and whatnot. So, uh, but we have a very interesting trade proposal, and I think it's torn us a little bit. We, we, this is like, this is like a, this is a tough one because I, I, I think we're on polar opposite ends here. So it's very interesting. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and tell us about the trade. So the trade is very simple. It's straight up trade for a 2023 first in exchange for Rashad Bateman. And we own Rashad Bateman. I think we drafted him, uh, I, I think t- round 10 or something like that, or Somewhere around that area. I actually have it right here, so I can actually tell us. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, so uh, pulling it up here. This, by the way, is one of those things I'm unhappy with Sleeper about a little bit, but um, you can't look at best ball leagues on desktop. You actually have to pull them up on your phone. It's mobile only. Uh, Rashad Bateman, round seven. So we got him 7-6 is when we drafted Rashad Bateman. Now I'm going to give a little background to, we have correlated our uh, bet here a little bit with Rashad Bateman by, we also have Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is fine, whether you correlate him with a pass catcher or not, but that's okay. We have Rashad Bateman as well. We also have Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Trelon Burks, David Bell, and Wandell Robinson. Those are the kind of key other wide receivers to talk about. So we're, we we do have a lot of depth at wide receiver. This is a three wide receiver, two flex league, uh, super flex. We also, you know, don't we're probably not starting a wide receiver in super flex. So this would be, do, do you want to tell me your quick reasoning? You do not want to make this trade. Like. So... At first, I I didn't want to do it. You're absolutely right. And then, I, as you know, I, I did kind of a deep dive into, um, you know, establish the run and uh, Ian and Drew and JJ, um, just kind of like reading up on a bunch of stuff. And I, I started to come around, and I think we both kind of came to the same conclusion, but I'm I'm guessing through different means. And I kind of fell out of favor of it because I was looking, and there's a couple, just a couple of things that really kind of um, made me not really like it. Uh, that was pretty much that. First and foremost, so, so to be clear, are you still? Are you still on Bateman over the twenty three first? No, Is that I, where you still are, you're you're on you're on my side now. I'm on the twenty three first side of things right now, so so I guess I'll just say this right out the gate. I am worried about us not having enough wide receivers. That that that's that's one of my concerns, right? But if the wide receiver isn't good, there's no point in even having them on the team. We might as well have 
I mean, next year's class is absolutely loaded. So, I mean, I think even, and we'll discuss that in a minute, but um, basically if you don't have, you just have dead weight if otherwise, right? So Baltimore only had a 56% pass percent, pass play percentage in 2021, right? They were 22, 22nd overall for the NFL. That was roughly, and with, that was about 36 pass attempts per game on average. So even if Rashad Bateman had a 20, 25% target share, which is really generous, right? That means that he'd be getting about, what, seven to nine targets per game. Um, and so right now, like, he's being drafted at his ceiling. Like, that is his ceiling, right? So for the price, I mean, absolutely right now that this is the time to sell. And so a lot of that, just, just that, right? Like I know you're about to launch into a bunch of other stuff to explain it to. And I really am excited to hear it, but like just that alone and knowing that they, they're like we said last time, they're going to go run heavy. They, they're going to go defense. They're, you know, that they may very well be one of the last in line for like that pass play percentage is going to shrink even more. And so I don't necessarily buy into the whole vacated targets things, which I know that that kind of narrative and that kind of thought process is kind of more, you want to think of it more like opportunity. Like you have an opportunity to earn targets over and there's less competition, right? It's not quite the same thing, but it's the same thought process. At least that's what I'm thinking of. But, but what you're paying for now and what you're getting for in exchange for someone's ceiling, like next year, you could have a rookie that puts in up something similar to what um, Jefferson and Chase put up, right? So I think that's kind of the trade-off here. So I'll let you just – I want to hear what you have to say about Bateman and why he's so terrible. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you came to the conclusion, uh, uh, their correct conclusion, that Rashad Bateman is wildly overvalued. A lot of other people have talked about this, um, and – I think I think like an important thing to do when other analysts are talking about things is maybe not take everything they're saying at face value. Do a little bit of your own research. So I'm not like the first person to say this by any means. I know a lot of people in the uh, bulletproof uh, Discord have been talking about this. Um, I'm going to talk about it a, a fair bit as well. But just looking at keep trade cut, the pick is ahead. So I'm going to throw that out there. Right now, Rashad Bateman's going at 6'11". We got him a little bit after that. And his ADP has actually gone up quite a bit since the Hollywood Brown trade. About 20 spots since January, his ADP's gone up. Now, that's not all the Hollywood Brown trade, but I think that's a huge driving factor, right? Um, and so, And then, so the second thing I would say is that this is the thing I don't think a lot of people realize, is that Hollywood, uh, or sorry, Rashad Bateman's year one was not good. It was not good in a wide variety of ways, right? He was an elite prospect that we had high hopes on, and his year two, like, comps aren't good. They're, they're, they're legitimately bad. Um, he, was, he had a 15.8% target share and a 20% uh, targets per route run. Um, and... Uh, that would be ranked 61st based on what uh, player profile tells me. He had a low A dot and a poor air yard share. I, I am struggling to find a case that he increases his target share enough to be worth more than a 23 first. Um, 
Yeah. I think the so the stands are going to come out and say they're going to point to it and be like, well, Baltimore doesn't really have any other option, right? But the thing is, it's like Baltimore does have another option. They just don't have to throw the football. Like, that's, <laughs> Thank you. that's their option. So I went in on the Rotovis screener tool, and I took every top two-round wide receiver. I filtered by rookie year, took players with less than a 20% target share, players with less than 10 points per game, which Rashad Bateman had, and then played more than five games in their second year. This came out to a list of 112 players. I My hypothesis is that Rashad Bateman needs to have more than a 25% target share in year two to be worth more than a 23 first. That's my hypothesis. He needs to gain over a 10% target share jump from year one to year two. Okay. Of those 112 players, only 14 did that. So 98 players did not achieve a 10% target share gain from year one to year two. Okay. So that is an incredibly large number of guys that didn't do it. And actually, if we think about it, you know, what if things go worse? What if what if something bad happens and that he actually goes down? 33% of those players stagnated or even lowered their target share. Okay. So in, in players with less than a 20% target share and less than 10 points per game, that this is the group of players that Rashad Bateman falls into year one. Only 14 hit the threshold that I believe that we would need for Rashad Bateman in a low-passing offense to gain value. So what you're saying is that that's about, what, a 10 to 15% chance that that's going to happen? Uh, I think it's even less than that. Oh. I mean, we're talking about uh, 14, uh, 12, 12.5% chance. Okay. So 12.5% percent chance that Rashad Bateman hits the threshold that I think he needs to hit in order to be worth more than a 23 first. Okay, and then what's the chance that a round one wide receiver is going to hit, basically? Well, this is this is top two round. This That's what I pulled into. Okay. Because I took both rounds. But, but, we're, but we're probably going to, but with the first round pick, we're probably going to be able to pick a round one wide receiver. Sure. Let's I mean, just, for I, the I sake just, of argument. I did two rounds. I did two rounds just because it's a larger sample is, is the gist of it. Like 112 people is already not that big, but uh, I, I went ahead and took two rounds. So um, that that's like my, my major thing here is that it's very difficult for Rashad Bateman to hit this outcome to be worth more than that. And then I question like, we're talking about a random 23 first, right? How many 23 firsts are going to be worth more than Rashad Bateman's top outcome? Let's say Rashad Bateman has a 25% target share in year two, right? Mm-hmm. I still I struggle to see where you could get 101, Bajon Robinson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. Like those are three guys that are going to be worth more than a 25% year two target share. Um, Rashad Bateman. Right, that's three guys that are worth more already. Mm-hmm. So that that's three of twelve, right? Three of twelve guys. So that's already a higher percent chance that even on Rashad Bateman's ten percent outcome, that those guys are going to be worth more no matter what, right? And this is a random twenty-three first, so we have a one in twelve chance of being any one of those, right? But it's a three in twelve chance of being any of them. That and once again, so three and twelve chance of it being already worth his top end outcome, 
versus his median outcome his median outcomes even worse his median outcome is that we couldn't even trade him for 111 112 next year yeah so uh the number of targets and i just did the quick calc that he needs to hit to meet that 25 percent target share it's going to be about 128 uh targets for the year which is pretty high on a yeah. really high for uh you know a run heavy team so yeah I struggled to get there with Rashad Bateman. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. That's, it's my problem. So, do, you, do you want me live right now to go ahead and accept this trade? Yeah. How does that? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I I'm glad. I, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. I hate. I don't always love buying shares. You know, like picks in these like public leagues because guys could just dip and it's, it's all over. But I do think that this is a really good trade for us. I, I agree. I, I'm glad we came to the same conclusion, just in our own different ways. <laughs> yeah, thank, thankfully right. I've had an opportunity to kind of like go off into my own world in my head and listen to a lot of podcasts lately and kind of get a little bit smarter on some of this stuff. So, yeah. No, it's been I, nice. mean, I think it's just always be learning. I just posted it, uh, or I just went ahead and accepted it. We got the 23 first. We sent Rashad Bateman. I think it's a good trade for us. Um, so let's, uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. I thought that was a very interesting sort of study of really looking at players that were not good year one and really thinking about that percent chance that they pay off. Absolutely. I, 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 think it's, I think it's much lower than people think, right? I think it's a lot lower than people think that it is. Yeah. So let's, let's shift gears over to your super passion right now, which is best ball. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 dive in. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, really, really didn't in these best ball streets. I really have just being an absolute madman. Um, man, our, our lead chat is blowing up about that trade. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone. And that's the one thing uh, I, I always think is funny about trades and like leagues and especially public leagues where you don't know everybody. Um, Make no mistake, no one cares about your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, I I always, like, DM somebody, and I'm like, oh, what'd you think of that? That was kind of interesting, you know what I mean? But in public league chat, man, I don't care. Oh, what, like, we have, like, four people that are like, oh, you guys got fleeced, you guys got fleeced. And it's like, just tell me you're a vacated target truther and don't talk to me, okay? I don't care. Um, yeah, so, but let's, let, for, for, let's, for reference, these guys had... Uh, there was a the, the previous trade. There was DK Metcalf, Drake London, and a 2023 first in exchange for Jonathan Taylor. And I was a huge <laughs> fan of the DK Metcalf, Drake London first trade. I was like, that's a that's a huge win for the guy that yeah. just got that. And everyone else was like, oh wow, that's really good for JT. Good for you, man. JT is amazing. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I think we picked the right league to join. <laughs> Listen, if, if half your league mates all think that your trades are always in the other person's favor, that's great because they're all going to send you trades. So yep. it, everybody's sitting in there going Rashad the God and stuff like that or Bateman the Goat typing in our league chat right now. Uh, great. Send me trades because if, if you you know, you know think that we got fleeced, I'm all, I'm all about trading with you. Um, but yeah, let, let's focus on best ball. I, I don't want to get too distracted you know, with this one trade. Um, but yeah, so... 
this is the thing about best ball, and I, I have sort of this theory, and I, I've heard others talk about it, but I would say the way that this tournament is structured, that a DFS player would be better than a best ball or redraft player in this tournament. Now, there's a, quite a few different reasons I say this, but this really is just a... I, I've, I've heard, I think Jacob Sanderson said this, and I've heard other people say it too, but this best ball tournament with 411,000 people or whatever is really DFS with a prologue, right? It's really 16 so or 14 weeks of season long that you know you really probably shouldn't care about that much and in three DFS tournaments. That's what it is, right? Hmm. Which is why I think it's important to really focus on those DFS tournaments and really nothing more, right? So in saying that, Peter Overzet's talked about this, quite a few other people have talked about this, 90% of the money in this tournament is all divvied up week 17. Week 17 is the most important week. So many people have talked about this, I don't want to hammer on it too much, but week 17 is the most important week in this entire tournament. That is the deciding factor between breaking even and walking away with a million dollars, right? Week 17 is the most important week. And so, so what what do you think about those thoughts so far? What, what what's your initial thought on, on what I'm saying here? Well, first and foremost, I didn't realize it was quite so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know, I part of the draw to best ball is it's kind of like a hey you get to do a quote-unquote mock draft and then it actually just kind of does the work for you, right? Like the whole idea is the simplicity and the the lack of having to manage anything like that. And it's kind of going against it a little bit. But, you know, I guess in a way you was like, you got to figure out a way to do the tournament style stuff, right? And then it's funny because you were, you, right before we started recording, you are like, ask me any Week 17 matchup. I know by heart. And I'm like, what the you know does week 17 have to do anything and i'm like wait a minute that's just it's, i mean that's got to be like the make a break of everything like that so really what it comes down to is you're pretty much just looking at those matchups and you're like well i definitely gotta just draft the people that are gonna do really well in those matchups because you know that's what's going to be the make a break so i kind of i kind of figured it out just based on you saying it like that um <laughs> yeah but 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 it is interesting because it is a different it, – it's funny because we, we, we say that best, best ball has – you can segue it – or I'm sorry, you can glean a lot of the same lessons and apply it to uh, redraft. Mm. But, but now you're saying it's like, okay, well, now, now we have the DFS aspect. So Yeah. Well, I would say it, it, this is specifically a tournament-based thing here, right, is that I think that – redraft and tournaments are totally different right in terms of how we're building if we're playing cash best ball i think it's i think it's almost identical to a normal redraft league if i'm being absolutely honest like someone will say oh this player is better in best ball i I don't really buy that kind of you know thought like oh consistency and things like that it's like uh consistency is not consistent year to year so, like, I treat redraft very similar to cash best ball, but specifically with tournament best ball, I, I think tournament best ball is actually just DFS disguised as redraft. And if you're <laughs> if you're looking at tournament best ball, playing it like redraft, you're probably not doing it right. Yeah, so, um, so you're doing a lot of those... For a variety of reasons. 
So you're doing a lot of those like quote unquote contrarian picks, or you're doing a lot of those like kind of off the wall things. You're doing a lot of those um, uh, stacks, like big stacks, right? So yeah. um, interesting. All right, well, please go on. Um. So yeah. So week seventeen, like this is how I view this tournament, right? And and looking at it from a week seventeen lens, I am looking at week seventeen and going. What kind of DFS builds might I build that week? Like, if I was just playing DFS that week, like, okay, let's get weird. Who, who, who's going to be the weird guy? Who, who do I think is going to be the low-owned guy? Well, Jacob Sanderson had a fantastic article on this, and I'm going to link it in the description of this episode because he absolutely is, is very, very smart about this. Um, but the sort of the way we can think about it is... With DFS in Week 17, we would have ownership projections, right? And we would want the low-owned guy who has a high ceiling outcome, right? The guy who's only owned 5%, but maybe in the optimal, he pops in 20% of the optimal outcomes, right? And so with best ball, the way that we can control that is by... This is going to sound so stupid. People listening to this are going to be like, this guy is so dumb. The way we can get guys that are low-owned on Week 17 in best ball tournaments is by drafting players that are going to have bad advancement rates. And you're sitting there and you're giving me a look and you're going, why in the world would I draft a player with a bad advancement rate? But let me let me just give you an example, right? Mike Williams. Why in the world is Mike Williams going next to Keenan Allen? There's no reason for that. Mike Williams is not that good. He's going to have a very bad advancement rate, I think. I think Mike Williams is going to have a very poor advancement rate. Mike Williams is going ahead of DJ Moore, Marquise Brown, Jalen Waddell, Kyle Pitts. Like, why in the world is he going ahead of those guys? They are all going to have more points than him, right? Okay, so mentally, I'm sitting there going, Mike Williams is going to have a poor advancement rate because everyone around him is likely to have a better advancement rate. But you know what Mike Williams does have? Mike Williams still has a weekly ceiling that matches those players. Ah. So Mike Williams may come in with a 4% advancement rate, right? Mike Williams, if, if you sneak Mike Williams into week 17, right? You sneak him in there, right? You have, you hit on a ton of other picks, right? You, you got all the great picks, right? But you sneak a Mike Williams team in week 17. And suddenly of the 200 teams or whatever that is in the final week of the tournament, you're the only one with Mike Williams. Uh, I see what you're saying. And let me guess, Mike Williams has a pretty decent matchup week 17. See, and that's something I'm not doing. And I'm glad you kind of said this, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not having those micro-level takes, honestly. Like, I'm not looking at the matchup and being like, oh, that team was bad against tight ends last year. I, I don't think we can do that. I have no idea what week 17 is going to look like defensive wise, what the like defense in general is not very predictable year to year, but like their safeties could all be dead. <laughs> like they're like, I think last year, like the Ravens secondary was just torn apart by injuries by week 17. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I I'm, I'm not trying to have that level of a take. Like that's too micro level for me mm-hmm. to try and have that take. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, Okay, I'm building up these this Rams Chargers stack. Okay, I got maybe maybe I got like Cooper Cup early. Let's grab Mike Williams on the bring back. Maybe I have like Cooper Cup. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's say I have Cooper Cup, someone in the second, then Mike Williams in the third, right? 
I'm still expecting Mike Williams to have a poor advancement rate, so I'm going to build my team in the understanding that Mike Williams is going to have a poor advancement rate and make sure I stack up wide receivers pretty heavily. And then if I do sneak him in, I know I'm going to have an advantage. I see. This is assuming I'm right, by the way, that Mike Williams will have a poor advancement rate, and I think he will. I see. I see. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you're just trying to sneak sneak those high ceiling players in with low advancement rates so then that way you're one of the very few that's going to have that and and you're basically just being like okay let's roll the dice if you have a big old week i have a good shot at winning see everyone says like draft assuming you're right and of course i i think i am drafting assuming i'm right because i think mike williams is going to have a poor advancement rate that's still drafting assuming i'm right but they would sit there and say oh just assume mike williams is the right pick I'm not assuming Mike Williams is the right pick. In fact, I think he's the wrong pick, and I'm drafting assuming he's the wrong pick for season-wide upside, but knowing that Week 17, he's not going to have a lot of teams there in the tournament. Okay. You know who else fits this description? And Jacobs, Jacobs Anderson's brought this up too, and quite a few other people have. Do you know who fits this description? Oh my gosh. Gabriel Davis. Oh man. He fits the exact same description as a low target share guy, but he's going to play outside. He's going to have high A dot, and he's in a high powered offense. And he's being drafted mm, about 15 picks, I want to say, after Mike Williams. Wow. And I'm drafting Gabriel Davis. I am. In that format. In that format. Not in any other format, but I'm, I'm perfectly content drafting Gabriel Davis in that sort of format. I, I, um, I think Gabe Davis is like probably an ideal best ball candidate, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I do too. I think he's interesting. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I sit there and I've posted some like screenshots where I've kind of like, you know, I'll DM DK or something because we both hate Gabe Davis, you know, for the most part. And I'll be like, Gabe Davis just went before. Um, you know, Amon Ross hate Brown or Gabe Davis went before this guy or Gabe Davis went before that guy right now that I've seen, I've seen times where Gabriel Davis goes before Deontay Johnson. Right. Oh, and I'm like, this is terrible. This is awful. You show anybody this picture and they're going to freak out. But at the exact same time, going off the logic I'm going off of, I, I fully expect Gabriel Davis to probably have a low advancement rate. When you look at the people around him at the exact same time, that doesn't make him a bad best ball play in this tournament structure. Interesting. Because he still has weekly upside. Okay. So I have, I have a couple of follow-up questions for you here with, with all that next uh, aside. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, where do you get these advancement rates from? So, like, none of us know, right? None of us know what Gabriel Davis' advancement rate is going to be. We can hypothesize pretty well to get an idea of what we think his advancement rate will be, right? And we can do this pretty simply, right? Like, is Mike Williams better than Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, and Marquise Brown? No. I don't. No, I don't no, think. I don't think anybody thinks that. I don't think that anybody thinks that Mike Williams you know, is going to beat those guys in season long or point per game at all. And all those guys go after Mike Williams. So I'm hypothesizing by looking at that and I'm going, okay, I'm thinking Mike Williams is going to have a poor advancement rate because there are so many better picks going after him. So I, I, I'm hypothesizing Mike Williams has a poor advancement rate, but I know he has high weekly upside. So I don't, none of us know what these advancement rates are going to be. But at the exact same time, we can make a pretty good educated guess. Like Gabriel Davis, for example. I think we can 
he's going ahead of Jerry Judy, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, Rashad Bateman, and Juju Smith-Schuster, right? But he's also going near other players, too, that, you know, we could hypothesize probably will have higher advancements rates than him. Like Gabriel Davis goes right next to Darren Waller, Brees Hall, uh, ahead of George Kittle, and uh, next to Cam Akers, right? I would say that most of those players probably have higher advancement rates than Gabriel Davis. Mm -hmm. So those are sort of the kind of assumptions we can make, and we can still draft as if we're right. We're just drafting as if we're right in the sense of that this player is not a good player. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know is like the weirdest thing. It's like draft as if you're right. No, I am. I'm guessing he's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing this player is poor in points per game and that he's basically never in my lineup. Um, So like individual player takes, right? When we're talking about player takes, this is how I view it. I don't view it in the sense of, I never want to take this player. I view it in the sense of, is this player going to have a high advancement rate or low advancement rate based on what I think is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And build based on that. That's not to say, I'm never taking such and such or I'm never taking this other person. It's, I'm building with that assumption that they're going to be a high or a low advancement rate based on the other players that go around them. That's how I'm doing it, right? So when I'm looking at that sort of stuff, that's that's my logic, I suppose. Um, you know, it's not never taking this player versus never play, taking that player. Although I do have players like that, for sure. I'm hardly taking any Nick Chubb, for example. Maybe that's a mistake, right? But I'm still building teams assuming that Nick Chubb's not good, right? I'm assuming that he's not the right pick. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, I think, finally. Um, yeah. And it, it was something that i was been picking up on recent podcasts I've been listening to as well, is you're not really looking at players so much as you are looking at archetypes and player di- and ADP dynamics and you know kind of a lot of other market forces and strategies so because i mean everybody's going to be a good fit depending on the circumstance wherever Mm -hmm. you are so is it right for that situation is it right at that price is kind of the question you should be asking not i never want this player or i always want to get this player Uh uh-huh so no i i think that's the right way of doing it i'm fine with having like players are higher on versus lower than on, right? I just think that there's a correct way of doing it, and it says more about building those teams than it says to say, oh, I'm drafting Brandon Ayuk in in 30% of my teams, which I kind of am, but I'm building my teams differently around Brandon Ayuk, so they're not all the same, right? Like, Like, I'm really building them all differently so they don't all look the exact same. And I think that's an important way of, like, building, basically. So, for example, I have 28 Brandon Ayuk teams showing up here, and only 18% of them are uh, zero RB, 14% of them are anchor RB, uh, 21% of them are modified anchor RB, right? And I didn't choose what these things mean. This was just made by the... Uh, this is a fantastic, by the way, if you're not using uh, Michael Dunbar's, it's at Dunbar Michael, uh, works for 
uh, Rotoviz, he has a great uh, best ball tracking exposure tool. I can link that in the description of this episode too. But I think it, it's fine to have player takes. Just build differently around the player. If all of those teams were zero RB, I would say that's a questionable decision. Mm-hmm. So have player takes. Those are fine. Just change your construction around those player takes. And also, if you have a player take as Gabriel Davis and Mike Williams are going to have low advancement rates, okay, build as if they have low advancement rates. Got it. So what, what, what are your thoughts here? G- give, me, give me your thoughts after digesting all of that. I know that was kind of a lot. It was, it was almost more of a lesson in DFS than it was a lesson in in best ball. No, and that and that's fine because it's it's funny just because this game like evolves every year, right? It just get it gets a little bit different. It gets a little bit more involved. We know a little bit more, and so I guess in my mind, it me having a notion of I, I've been in the dynasty world, right? So like my brain is thinking in terms of dynasty. And so just the thought and just walking into looking at the ADP values for anyone in best ball, yeah. A, there's a little bit of translation that needs to be done there. And B, the notion that you would purposely like take someone that you don't quite believe in quite as much over people that you really want, um, that would take a little bit of getting used to translating that as well. And kind of flipping your mind a little bit, like kind of changing your perspective a little bit and being able to compartmentalize that for this specific game format only. Um, but it, it is very interesting because it, it makes you think about things a little bit differently. Um, and I know that you are a huge proponent of DFS. I had not been for a long time because I was in the sports betting world for a long time, but I, I no longer can do that. So <laughs> you will probably convert me over to DFS here sooner than later. Now that's why a lot of this stuff is starting to interest me now because I don't really have any other choice. Um, it It is way, way more complicated. There's way more that goes into it. It's so much easier just to be like over under and put money on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, like- I like it. Like, and it's funny, like, I'm thinking about this, like, a lot, right? I'm thinking about this from that DFS perspective and this DFS lens. And, like, thinking about, oh, you got to stay to ADP, you know, try not to reach too much. And there's a ton we could talk about about ADP trends and Hayden Winks. Honestly, go go go, go listen to the Underdog Fantasy Podcast if you want to talk about ADP trends. Because Hayden Winks and Josh Norris are doing amazing work on that. Go check out their stuff on Underdog Blogs. But because they're doing great stuff, but the TLDRs basically don't reach. Take your ADP values when you get them, right? Um, that that's kind of like the logic I'm living off of, and I'm still getting stacks, right? Like so many people are like, oh, but you know, do I care more about ADP or do I care, you know, getting value or do I care more about my stacks? And it's like you can do both. Yeah, you can. If you're drafting enough teams, you're gonna have teams where you're getting so many stacks at value, like. I, I had one recently that I was kind of sitting there and I was like, I, I almost took um, Zach Wilson at ADP, right? And Because I had Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, mm-hmm. right? And I stopped and I said, if I wait 10 picks and I looked at the teams around me and I said, 
They all have two QBs. One of them has Corey Davis, but he has two early quarterbacks, so he's very likely stopping at two. I just said, I'm not going to take him, and I bet he falls to me 10 picks after ADP. And sure enough, Zach Wilson fell 10 picks after ADP. So be watching those draft boards. You can see, I bet this guy is going to fall a little bit further, right? Yeah. And sure enough, they will sometimes. So you just pay attention to things like that, and you will at times get really good values. I could have just taken him at ADP, and I'd have been fine. I'd have been like, hey, got Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson stack. Let's go. This is going to be great. Um I like no, that. It's it. it uh, one thing I've noticed with you is like you're very big on building a narrative in every single situation, and you're looking at the situation. And you're be like, this is how I think this is how this is going to go. You're building that narrative, whether it's DFS, like when we were building DFS teams last year. It's like, how do we think this game script is going to go? And we're going to build DFS teams around that. Like this team is just going to be defensive and we're just going to get the running back and, you know, yada, yada. Right. Um, seems like it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you're looking at everything, you're being um, perceptive and just building it. Like there's no way this guy's going to take it because it doesn't make sense for them. And you're kind of like assuming everyone's going to be rational. Um, so, uh, that's 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 an interesting observation. This is my advice for anybody who just wants to play some best ball. Just play cash, honestly. Like if you're if you if you were like man, if you listened to all of this and you were like, that sounds really complicated. I don't want to think about it like that. That's dumb. You know, blah blah blah. Just play cash, honestly. Like if you want to like buy a lottery ticket, sure. Like pl- play a few, you know. But honestly, I think. It, I honestly think that more people should probably play cash because cash is fun, right? Just play a normal generic 12 team, pay the 11% rake on underdog or host it with your friends and do league safe or I don't know what their rake is, but um, just play cash. Honestly, it's just as fun. Yeah. (laughs) But now now I'm going to say this. This is is the fun caveat to all of this. I'm thinking about all this stuff, right? A A bunch of people are thinking about all this in this crazy, you know, micro macro sense, right? And we're all like banging our heads against the wall trying to find small edges. Should we build for week 17? Awesome released an article that said, hey, maybe we should build for week 16, right? Last year, the team that scored the most points in the regular season, they picked Gronk. 60 picks before ADP. They picked Tom Brady, 40 picks before ADP. I, mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like that, right? Wow. Right? That that person was not thinking about anything like we are. And they still scored the most points in the regular season last year, which this year would be a million dollars. So I that, that's sort of like, it, it's funny that we're thinking about it this hard and everything. And some person's gonna reach, you know, forty, fifty picks on Kenny Galladay or something this year, <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna end up scoring like thirteen touchdowns or something. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am enjoying the basketball streets. That's for sure. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we're both very busy people, and I have to get back in those basketball streets. That's for sure. But do you have anything else to add before we before we head out here? No, not nothing on the the top level stuff. I have a, a bunch of um, specific team or specific player things I'd like to talk about. But we're, we'll definitely wait till next time. For that, I, th- I think I think this was a good kind of introduction to the thought process and the strategy and kind of the difference in between things. And I think over the course of the next couple of episodes, I'd really like to take to start segment 
what we're you know what we're looking at and kind of look at some of the tools some of the resources and some of the thought processes that are involved in making good decisions and the strategies involved so yep and we'll definitely draft some teams uh on the podcast oh yeah as well. i have like i said i have a, a bunch of money just sitting in an account it's, it's got to be used so I'll, I'll be happy to be the guinea pig for that one yeah for sure all right man it was great hanging out talking a little best ball with you yeah thanks a lot you too you taught me a lot today yep best and everybody else check out those links in the description those guys are super helpful so uh, you can find me on twitter at at Boots fantasy uh, and you can also find me in uh, our discord and you can find me on twitter at dr trash dad that's dr trash dad and uh well, see you next time everybody